So once again, thank you for coming, for being part of the Machias church family, which is what we are. Why are we? Because God said so. And he meant it when he said it. It's not a place to come for a Sunday for an hour and a half. It's not just some place to come and hear maybe a marginal sermon, sing some songs. To come together to be family. And with that comes responsibility for both you and me. Um, Part of the responsibility is me standing up here trying to share something with you from God's word that will change you. That's what I'm going to try to do. Your job is to be good listeners and open-hearted. Let the word of God and the truth of God's word penetrate your soul. Because God has some things for you in in your life, and one of them is he wants to transform you. If you really are going to experience what you were meant to have when you were designed by God, you have to be changed. Everything that you need, everything that you were designed by God to need can only come from God. And the only way you can take advantage of that is to be changed. Paul wrote this letter. We're going to have the kids up in just a second. Come on up, guys. Come on up. I'll chat a little bit as they're way up. Paul wrote this letter to believers. It's a church that exists in Thessalonica that he founded. He was an itinerant preacher. And he is saying these things to them that we now get today to say you need to be changed. They're already saved. They've already accepted Jesus Christ. They're a church. And now, what now? That's the thing. That's the question. That's the question when you guys come here. What now? What's going to happen now? Okay. So we're going to talk, and we're going to use God's Word. But first, we've got a message that everybody needs to hear, but mainly it's for these guys here. How many of you have heard the word faith? Me. Yeah. Any, any idea what it means? What do you know? It means like when you're dying. Well, kind of. But the word faith is something that we would believe, right? A faith. So you, you hear faith a lot in church. If you come to church, and I know you guys come to church a lot. I see you a lot. You heard the word faith. And, and it's a big one in the Bible. It's a big thing for God. He wants us, so it's, it says, trusting or believing in something that, hey, buddy, yeah, he was in Kids Jam, and he's a riot, all right, trusting and believing in something you can't see, we're gonna, and we're going to have a little demonstration of that, but, but that's what God wants us, he wants us, can we see God, is, is, is he like me standing up here, no, he isn't, can, can you see Jesus? No, have you ever seen Jesus? I, I haven't either. But I believe in him, and that's what the, what's called faith. It's, and it's really important. God, God recognizes that, that sometimes it's, it's tough, right? Stuff is hard. Life is hard. Have you guys have hard stuff in your life sometimes? Yeah. And God knows that, and he knows that we need him, and we can't always see him. So he wants us to believe in him in faith. In fact, the Bible says this. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That, that's a pretty big requirement. I mean, he says, do you want to you please your parents? Yeah, right? And if they said, yeah, but if you can't do this, that'll be impossible. That would be hard, huh? God says, hey, if you want to please me, you have to have one thing here, faith. What's it look like? Obedience? You think doing what, if, if God says, I want you to do certain things, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't understand, even when you're, you inside is telling you, I don't want to do that. You know, it's kind of like when your parents say, um, go clean your room, and you say, no, I really don't want to do that. I want to go play video games, right? But, but you're going to just trust your parents, mainly because they have a big stick probably, but um, and to, to say you need to become a responsible big person, and in order to do that, you have to have chores. But sometimes it doesn't make sense. But God says, no, I want you to do what I tell you because I love you, and in the end, it's what's best. And that's what your parents do too. You know, they, It's tough love, God calls it. And we call it when we make people do stuff. And it seems like they don't want to do it, but it's for their own good. And that's what God wants us to have faith, to trust him, that when he tells us stuff to do, that we'll do it. Because even when we don't like it, sometimes it's hard. But we do it anyway. And then trusting the, the promises of God. Have you seen any promises? You, I know you've heard some things in Kitchdam. God's promise to love us, protect us, never leave us alone. But sometimes it feels like we're all alone. And that's when we have to have faith, right? That God, he says he's there. He says he's never going to leave me. But sometimes I don't feel like that. So we, sometimes we, we trust what we feel instead of trusting what God says. And that requires faith because sometimes what God says goes against how we feel inside. You know, if we're feeling angry or we're feeling you know, lost or we're feeling alone and lonely. God says, you don't need to have those because I'm here with you. So we're going to try a little experiment as an example of what faith is. You guys with me on this one? All right, just a second. Don't get your hopes up. This is water. <laughs> it's in a 7-Up bottle, but it's actually water. I'm going to give you, each of you guys, one of these. What is that? Anybody know? What is it? It's a paper clip. That's right. What's it made out of? Do you know? Everybody gets one. Thank you. You're very kind. Look at that. He just shares with all of his other people first. Hopefully we're going to, you're going to encourage him. I'm going to have him come up and read the passage pretty soon. Not, not, not today. We got Andrew for today. But I'm hoping that Paxton will do that because I think he can do it. And he would be good at it. Okay. Oops, I need another one. I'll probably get a few more. All right. What are they made of? Metal. Metal. And... What do we know about metal? Is it heavy or light? Heavy. 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 Yeah. So. Yeah, it is just water, though. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that. Okay. No, I didn't dye it green. It was just in a green bottle. So it's actually clear, isn't it? All right. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to float your paperclip. Put it in there and see. Oh, 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 losers. No. <laughs> Did you get it to float? No. Do you think I can get one to float? Yes. Do you, do you, in faith, in faith, right? Oh, man. In faith. So if we're going to say, and I know don't say it, Jesus is not a paperclip. I know that already. Okay. <laughs> but let's just say this is Jesus. And, 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 and floating, when it looks like it's impossible. Have you remember the story about when, when the disciples went out in the boat? Jesus had just fed the 5,000, and he was just dealing with people and going off to pray by himself. And they went out in a boat, in the boat, and it started to get a storm, right? Yeah. And, and so Jesus went out on the water, walking on the water. And then one of his disciples named Peter said, Jesus, I see you. He was afraid because it was a storm. He's afraid he's going to drown. So he said, Jesus, if it's really you, have me come to you and let me walk on the water. Well, Jesus is God. He could walk on the water. But Peter wasn't God, and he wasn't so sure. But if he had faith, he got out of the boat, and he, and he started walking on water. So if this was Jesus... Jesus, the paperclip, and he did this, and he helped Peter walk on water. Oh, my. It's floating, isn't it? Just like that. How can that happen? How about this one? Can we do it again? And Peter was walking along, and he was walking along, and, and then pretty soon he's walking, but then the storm got big. And the waves were raging, and then all of a sudden, he started to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. And he had faith, and he called out to the one who had the power. And Jesus saved him and brought him back up to the top. There you go. If you have faith... Not in a paperclip, but in Jesus. It's very, it's, very, it's very important who you have your faith in, isn't it? Yeah. You could walk on water if that was God's will for you. So having faith is really important in order to get from God all the things he wants you to have. And we, as big people, we need to remember that just as much as you guys. Maybe more. All right. Thank you for your attention. I, I'm guessing we probably have church downstairs for these guys yeah all right thank you guys we'll see you next week i know you couldn't see it but the paper clips actually did float all right so andrew's going to share with us the passage we're going to be coming from today yep you can help yourself Paul Sylvanus, Paul Sylvanus and Timothy, to the church of, Thessal of the Thessalonians. Hold on. Okay. Get close. Yeah, oh, get close. Right okay, Paul Sylvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God, 
and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Thank you. Oh. Faith is going to be required today as well. I didn't really want this job. Sometimes I feel over my head. And God worked on me a long time before I was willing to listen that in faith, this is where he wanted me. But I recognize every day that I'm inadequate and that only by the grace of God and the power of his Holy Spirit can this work as a family. So we need each other. And part of today's lesson from Scripture is about that. We're going to talk about that. But first, you know, I, I did tell you, um, you know, this is a letter that Paul wrote and He's trying to help them understand where do we go next. Christianity was very new. Paul had had started out and was just taking the message of Christianity. There's hope, he says, for a better life now, but also for eternal life with with God. And, And God had this plan, and it existed for a long time. It was called the Old Covenant. And he had his people, and they were the Jews. And in order to be one of God's children, he had to convert to be a Jew. And they had different rituals and things that they had to do, and ceremonies and sacrifices they had to make. And it was a temporary program for reconciliation and restoration back to God until the real plan showed up. And that was what happened when Jesus came. He brought the real plan of reconciling all people back to God and providing the Holy Spirit, which would change them so they could once again receive everything they needed from God alone. And so this was a new message, and and, and the Jews didn't like it, and they didn't understand it, and not many people did. And Paul was given this task by God. On the road to Damascus, you all probably have heard the story where God selected Paul and supernaturally through the Holy Spirit empowered him to go plant churches throughout the known world at the time. And he was doing it, and it was hard. And and, and I said last week, you know, he had just come his first missionary journey. He had come home, and they had stoned him, thought he was dead. And he came back, and by golly, he went out there and did it again. And he went through and started this church at Thessalonica in and, and about three months is what he spent there, they think. And then he went on around back in, down to Athens and, and then uh, through, through Thessalonica and, and then back down through, uh, through there. And he was joined eventually by, by Timothy and Silas and he sent Timothy back to check on his church because he loved them so much. He's only there for three months. But they they were trying to figure out, what do we do next? Now we've heard this message. 
of how we can be reconciled to God. And it's through Jesus Christ. And it's a free gift. And, and frankly, the message of the gospel, and I know I've said this a number of times, I could share it with you in five minutes or less. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't difficult. It was very hard to accept for those whose eyes had not opened, been opened by God's Holy Spirit. But it, it wasn't a complicated way. They, they weren't asking Paul to come, hey, give us some more instructions on how we can be saved. No, in fact, that's where we spend the majority of our lives then after we've been saved and we come to churches is, what do we, what do, we do next? How do we make this whole thing work out? How does how God going to take me from a new baby Christian who's been saved to someone who can start to experience all of the things that God has in store for me in this life? He's already taken care of the next life. Don't worry about it. Everything is going to be perfect you won't have to do anything to make it work. It'll all be fixed. You'll be fixed. Not so here. This is a bumper sticker I saw. <clears throat> and I've seen it on some church signs, different places. And we started this last week, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, we got through one verse, now we're going to go back and review Yes, we are. Um, I had to think about this a long time this week. Um, there's a progression in the first five chapters of 1 Thessalonians and in Colossians, and then we see some of the same thing in uh, Corinthians. And it goes like this, grace and peace, faith, hope, and love. And what you probably didn't understand, or maybe I didn't understand, is that the the grace and peace are bookends to your life. Everything else is in between. Uh, even faith and, and, and hope and love are the, are the pathway between grace and peace. If you think about it, and I did, and that's why I'm going to share it with you. If you think about it, what else would be greater to, to have in this life than peace? What else can you have greater than peace? I can just tell you right now, you're never going to be absent of conflict in your life. So we talked about this peace thing last week. And I said there's three kind of areas. One is peace with God. Two is peace within yourself. That's the hardest one. And three is peace in, the, in a broken world. You're never going to have that. We're inundated with information these days about how horrible the world we live in is. I, 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 it's the same, same newscast a bunch of young people drove up the wrong driveway in a car, had the wrong address, and the homeowner sat on his porch and shot him. And then a, a, another young man knocked on the wrong door. I think he was delivering food and knocked on the wrong door, and the homeowner came out and shot him. 
And then there was a third equally ridiculous thing, and I, Lord, what's the matter with us? And the lies and the, and the deceptions and, and, and the confusion, it's, it's just getting to be so difficult to have any hope for this world, and there isn't. So you're never going to find peace that way. The peace that God is promising you is when you have that conflict between you and God settled when you're saved. And then the conflict inside you, when your needs are being met, but you have this old sin nature, and it is in conflict with the new you. And so God is saying, look, I want you to have these things. Here's, Here's my list, and this is not a very long list. Because I was thinking, well, what else, would I, what, what else would I like to have in this life? Well, love. But you can have love and not have peace. Well, I'd like to have joy and faith and hope and security and a purpose in my life. And you can have every single one of those and still not have peace. Because you can have peace, but you need all those other things along with it. Peace is the culmination of of those things when I can be at peace when the world around me is going crazy. I thought about that. I thought, you know, if I could just... And this man's being stabbed over here. And, and, and this building is being bombed. And this country is going to war with this country. And my car broke down and I'm not sure I can make my rent payment and because God loves me because God has my future in his hands because God is in control of everything and he's working all things together for my good because I know where I'm going to spend eternity because I know I am deeply loved because I know you have given me a purpose I have peace. That's the epitome of a great life. I'm going to defy that you can come up with something better. Peace is the culmination of all the things that God is working on in your life to restore you back to that place where you will eventually be in eternity. And so Paul is writing these letters. And, we, and God has been such a wonderful gift. He's given us all of these instructions to tell us this is what's now. You, yes, you've been saved. And yes, the Bible has a very clear message of how you get saved, how you are reconciled to God. But it also has all these other things that says, now what? This is what? I'm going to lead you down the pathway towards peace in your life. And here are the steps you're going to need to take. A bit of a lengthy introduction. So then we go to the next verse. We give thanks to you, and that word is eucharisteo. Eucharisteo which means as giving grace for a meal. Interesting. The, the word Eucharist comes from that. How many of you have heard the word Eucharist, right? It's, it's the, the Catholic um, uh, elements, right? 
So it's the bread and the wine, and that was a meal. And so this, I give, we give thanks. And this is Paul and Silas and Timothy's writing for all three of them. And he's saying, look, we give thanks for you as if we were giving grace for a meal that we are thanking God for the sustaining things that we need. I thought, wow, that, that's kind of interesting for a pastor. He says down here, right, a pastor's love and thankfulness for God's people so we give thanks to God always, always. Well, this is it. For, 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 all, all, for all of you. I've read some of Paul's experiences in the book of Acts, and people weren't always nice. I mean, some of his own people weren't always nice, and he even was writing letters about, hey, there's... Some people in the congregation, and you need to deal with them. And he wrote some letters to Timothy and say, hey, hey, you got this going on. He wrote letters to Corinthians and the Corinthian church and saying, hey, you, you got some really bad issues among God's people. And yet here, here it says, and I asked you last time, um, think about where you are in this story. Okay, we're going to hear about the church in Corinth or the church in Thessalonica, but so what? I don't live there. Well, this is for you. And so I, so I was asking myself, taking my own advice and saying, Tim, where, where are you in this story? Well, I'm not going to put myself on the level of Paul, but, but now I, I find myself in the last couple months in a position that you're the under shepherd. I'm scared to death. And there's some, some, some responsibilities, and one of them is, <laughs> I need to be giving God thanks for each one of you, all of you, all the time. Um, you know, it's, I've been here for 30-some, 30 33, almost 34 years, maybe. And, and, and people, you know, I know people, and, and there are people that I've come to know and love, and, and, and I bonded with a bunch of you people, and, and I know you as friends and stuff. But, 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 but it says, no, Tim, you need to love all of them all the time. And so I had to ask God. I said, God, you have to, you have to help me here. Paul's, Paul's saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to God on behalf of all of you, all of you, all the time. Because now I put you into this family and you're this under-shepherd kind of guy now, Tim. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, hmm, God wants me, this is where I fit in, God wants me to be thankful and grateful and give thanks for you. And praise God, he's giving me that. He is. To expand the love that I have for you as I sit at home or in the morning and I give thanks for my family at Machias. But guess what? You, you fit in there. Just being, being the under-shepherd, um, isn't, isn't, God doesn't say, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's the only one that really needs to love and, and be praying for the other people in his family because he says through his son, uh, by this they'll know you're my disciples, Machias Community Churchgoers, that you love one another. So I'll, I'll cop to my responsibility, but you've got to cop to yours too. 
By this you'll know that they're mine, that they come to Machias at 10 o'clock on Sunday. No, it doesn't say that. It just says, by this you'll know they belong to me, because I'm going to give them supernaturally love. But you're going to have to practice it and find ways to demonstrate it, just like me. <clears throat> I, th- I thank you in all of you. So I ask myself about this, and, and, it, and we're going to be looking at all of this. Thankful for what? Thankful to whom? And how am I showing my thanks? So this is Paul saying, look, I thank God for all of you guys. You're my family. I planted you. Three months I spent time with you. I got to know some of you and loved you. And I shared the message of salvation with you. I probably instituted some leaders among you before I left. And now I'm, I'm desperately missing you. And I need to know what's going on because I'm, I'm afraid. I know there's people kind of worm in and, and take you away from the truth. And so I'm sending this guy up here. He's going to check on you and he's come back and he's told me some amazing things. And I'm, so I'm telling you right now, I'm thankful for you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. So what is he thankful for? What's he thankful for? All of you. I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal some out of... If we only do, I think we're only going to get through two verses today if we're lucky. Um, so by the time we get to chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, you will have completely forgotten that I used those verses today. Um, so here's what they say. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Is it not you? Paul's saying, look, you know what? You guys are the manifestation of God working. And I've gotten to be your under-shepherd. And when I go, I'm presenting you. I'm pre- this is it, God. This is what I... I'm presenting you. That's what he's thankful for. For you are our joy and our glory. So Paul is writing this letter and he's telling them, I love you. And in fact, when I go to get my final reward, I'm putting you out as evidence. But, but, who is he thanking? Is he thanking them? No. No. Because he recognizes this and I recognize this and thank God for this. He's thanking God for this because he knows he can't fix anybody. He can't save anybody. He can't change anybody. He knows that this work that's being done in the life of the church at Thessalonica is God's doing and God alone. I love you. But this job is hard. And, and, and I, you know, I'm now connected with this other, and I have been for some time, this network of other village missionaries. And they tattle. <laughs> it's good. They need a place to go. In fact, I just had a, a text conversation this morning with one of, one of my brothers, and uh, he's going through a really hard time. On his fifth anniversary, he said, fifth anniversary of us being here, and I am getting shelled. 
It's not an easy job, but then you have to understand the only way that I can do this is to recognize that it's not me because I am woefully inadequate. But God, if you're faithful to the calling, if you say, okay, God, you called me, I'm going to come, he called you and you came, then here's how it works. I just am faithful to what you want. And for me, it's standing up here on Sundays and and being an under-shepherd during the week and loving you and guiding you and providing some leadership among others. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I am completely against the CEO model of pastors. I am simply an elder who preaches. This church is led by a group of elders, I being one of five. My voice is no more important. But God said, okay, but I want you to take this and I want you to be up here. And I have a confidence that no matter how bad I am, God is going to do a work if I am faithful to the calling that he's given me. And that's all I can do. And I'm not going to take on any more responsibility than that. I am not going to try to own the outcomes because just like Paul, I give thanks that God is working in your life, not me. Woe to the pastor who tries to take on that burden, that I'm the guy, that I can, I can change you, I can fix you, I can get you saved, I can make sure that you're not sinning, I can make sure that if you have problems that they'll be taken care of, I can be the one there to calm you and soothe you and, and comfort you. No. Don't put that on me, I'm not taking it because I'll be faithful to the call, but that's God's job and he'll do it through me, through you. So the other thing about this whole idea of being uh, of the responsibilities of being called, it starts with me as I was preparing this message, but guess what? It's no different for you. You're still a body part. I'm still a body part. I might be a different body part than you, but you have no less responsibility to be faithful to the call that God's given you in your life Whatever gift he's given you, whatever place he's put you, whatever mission field that you now inhabit, you have the same responsibilities that I do. Maybe you're a father, maybe you're a mother, maybe you have friends, and you have some position of leadership somewhere where people are influenced by you, and you have been given a responsibility to share the hope that you have, just like me. And Paul is saying this, I'm giving thanks to God because I know that he is the one doing the work in you. But we have to be faithful to the call and give God ownership of the outcome. That's really hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard for me to stand up here and say, or, or not think, oh, I just, I wish there were more kids. You know, I, I wish we had more young families. And, and what, what if this happens? And, 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 and what if the congregation just gets smaller and smaller? I'd say, God, man, I'm doing what you told me to do. That's up to you. And the same thing is true in your life. Whatever it is. In the faith demonstration, we talked about it, and we, you know, some of the times when God tells us to do stuff, it doesn't make sense. It says in Hebrews, right, eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because first you have to acknowledge that He's there, and then then He always rewards those that earnestly seek Him, and and so sometimes that doesn't make sense, but through faith, I'll be faithful to what God's asking me to do, and let Him own the outcomes. 
And that's hard. We're outcome-oriented people. I'm outcome-oriented. I, you know, I, want, I want to see growth. I want to see things happening. I want to see people grow in the Lord. I want to see people come to Christ. It's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit. My job is to be faithful. Every time God calls me to do something or instructs me through his word to just, hey, in my best ability, I'm going to try my best to do God's will in his power, his way, and give him the outcome. And that's what Paul is doing here. He recognizes, I started this thing. I started the top spinning, but then I had to leave. God had other things for me to do. And I am trusting him that he is doing a work in the people where he led me to start a church. He recognizes that God is the one who does the work. But... This is amazing. <clears throat> you know, I read through the first five verses of First Thessalonians and Thessalonians chapter one. I thought, man, there's not a lot of meat here. <clears throat> well, then I let it. I put it in the pot and let it marinate for a while. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. We were remembering before God. I have heard of these three things back from Timothy that this is going on in a church less than a year old. And, and, and I'm telling you people, we're going to go through this here if we get some time. Hopefully I won't be too late. It doesn't get any better than this. It does not get any better than this. If you are working in faith, we're going to talk about those Greek words. If you are laboring in love, it's going to make more sense when we kind of tear it apart a little bit. And if you are being steadfast in your hope, no pastor could hope for anything more. No Christian could hope for anything more in his life than that. Let me tell you what I mean. Remembering before God, meaning he's praying for them and bringing this to God, this God who is doing the work, not Paul. Your work in faith, and that word work is ergon, or effort, or toil. And so we know all about that. We know that, that life is a job and it's work, and he's saying, look, you are working and you are toiling and you are actually doing something. You're putting out effort. That's what I'm hearing. You didn't just hear the word, say, hey, my ticket's been punched, I'm going to heaven See you later. No, you are working, but guess what is the key? You're working in faith. You're working in faith. You are working hard, but you're not doing it with your own plan. You're not doing it with your own effort. You're not doing it trying to accomplish something for yourself. You are doing it in faith, and I can almost guarantee, Paul's thinking, I'm sure, none of this is really making much sense to you because guess what? When you do it, people are trying to kill you. You are working in faith. Ask yourself, am I toiling in faith in my own life, in the place that God has put me? Am I toiling? Am I putting in the work that God has asked me to do? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. There is work to do in God's plan, but God says, look, 
Without faith, it's impossible to please me. Don't even bother. So working in faith is an enormous accomplishment. But again, what's your faith in? And again, are, are you doing it for your glory or for the, for the glory of God? Are you doing it because you want to find God's will? And that faith is because God, sometimes when I hear what you want me to do, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes, God, I just don't want to do it. Sometimes it's too hard. And God says, get out of the boat, Peter. Let's see how much faith you have. I have something really good to do. And I'm going to be a little arrogant and say, for, as in the voice of God, I'm going to look at you and say, God has something for you to do. He does. And he wants it to be hard, so you'll do it in faith and do it in his power. Ask yourself, am I working out my salvation in faith? Am, and not working for my salvation. I mean, I have been saved and now God has given me a part to play in the family of God for you in the community of Machias. Am I working out that task in faith? Without faith, you're doing it on your own. Without faith, there's no chance that a pastor can do what he needs to do. It's just, it's too hard. It's too difficult. So Paul is commending them. You, I heard from Timothy, you're up there, you got saved. You got saved in a really difficult environment. You got saved in a place where Christianity is being persecuted, and yet you are working God's plan in faith. Praise God for that. And that's what he's doing. He's praising them. Laboring in love. The Greek word for laboring is, you're going to love this woman, kapos, or weariness as in pains of labor, having a child. So here he's telling them, not only are you working in faith, but you are laboring in pain. I know it's hard. I know you're getting pushed back. I know this is difficult. But you are laboring with the motivation of agape love. Okay, so he starts this church, and he's only there for three months, and then he leaves, and, and he comes back, and, and, or he sends word back. They're laboring. They're painfully doing the plan of God with the motivation of agape love, which is a love that says, I am willing to do whatever is best for the object of my love. There is nothing I can do more valuable than serving you with love, agape love. Because we're so selfish. As human beings, we are so selfish. We, we want to love other people, and we want to love them when it's convenient, and we want to love them in ways that don't cost us too much. But Paul is saying, hey, I'm hearing back from, from you guys. You are loving people when it's hard with the motivation that all you want to do is what's best for them. So we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, am I laboring even when it's not easy? Am I out there serving the people you've given me, God, in love? Not in regards to what's easy for me. Not in regards to what gives me back validation. But in sacrificial love 
doing it under the Lord, knowing that if I'm going to get validation, it's only going to be from Him, and that's what you have to do as well. As we work out God's plan for Machias Community Church, we all need to labor in love for one another. The world is desperate. The world around us is desperate for love and joy and peace and hope. And God has supernaturally given his people an unlimited supply at their disposal. Are we taking advantage of it? Am I laboring as in child? I've never had a child, so I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know what it looks like, but I don't know what it feels like. I was there for a couple of them. Um, But I could sense that this was not an easy process. But you know what that mother's thinking, right? You know, hey, this hurts, but it's worth it when I get that baby. And so laboring in love is what God wants us to do with the outcome that I'm just going to please my Savior and my God by demonstrating the love that he showed to me to others. And since I don't have that love, I have to rely on him to provide it anyway. And that's one of the fruits of God's Holy Spirit in your life, agape love. Number one on the list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. But agape love's right up there. So he is hearing back a report that his church, his family of God, and he started a bunch of them, so he has a bigger family than you and I do. But they are laboring in love for those around them. What a report card. I hope that's my report card when I get to heaven, because what, what are we waiting to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And in order to do that, we need to labor now in love for the people that God put in our way, saved or unsaved. We come here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's the work of the ministry, guys. And we come here, and it is a time, it is a time for you, right? It's a time to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to, to, to have teaching and have things from God and, and fellowship together, and, and we praise and worship so that we can get filled up for the week that we spend out there doing God's will as individual agents of God's army in the battlefield that he places each one of us on every day. But it's a labor of love, and it's hard, and it doesn't make sense, and you're going to have to do it in faith, because I know your life is really busy, so is mine. And it's easy to say, no, I don't have time for that, God. But if your motivation is to love with agape love, I can tell you, God will provide the opportunity and the time and the resources to do his will. And his last one, this is, really, this is a really important one for today. Steadfastness. Hupomene. Hupomene means cheerful endurance with patience. And hope is elpes, which is means anticipating with pleasure and confidence. So steadfastness with hope. This world, steadfastness or long-suffering or endurance, man, 
It's a marathon, isn't it? And, and one of the things that God is always telling us in his word, hang in there. There's hope. Hold on. Don't give up. And he's hearing that. Now, we don't have the same level of persecution and opposition that they were receiving back then. They were people out to kill them. The Jews were trying to hunt them down and get rid of them because they believed they were blaspheming, blaspheming the name of God. And then the Romans were joining into the persecution because they believed that the Christians were causing civil uh, uprisings, and so they were trying to get rid of them as well. And so here they are, and, and they've started out this new walk with God, and they've been saved, and, and they've gotten the Holy Spirit, and things are hard. And, and one of the main themes of the letter in 1 Thessalonians is perseverance and persecution. John and I talk about this a lot, and he, 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 he believes, you know, persecution is a good thing, and boy, what we really need here in the United States is a good dose of persecution because it shakes the fence, and when there's a cost to your faith, it separates the tares from the wheat. But if, <clears throat> if you aren't sensing it now, it's coming. Christianity is becoming more and more countercultural all the time. And the lies are being perpetuated for those ideologies that lead people away from God. I don't, I, we don't need to bring them up. All the things that are going on, you know, with the, the different movements in our culture that are untruthful, lies, deceiving people, but they're anti-Christian. You can practically do anything, including worshiping Satan, and be okay in this culture, except be a Christian. So it's coming. And Paul has received word that this church, this young baby church, is persevering with hope. And how do we do that? Well, says in Colossians, right? Hey, keep your eyes on things above. Keep your mind on the things that are in heaven because this world is hard. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So we have to, in times when life gets so hard and persecution may come to us, we have to have the same attitude and the same effort that they have done to persevere in cheerfulness. I don't know about you. Yeah, the, the, that word, hope, was anticipating with pleasure and confidence. <clears throat> I always go back to this one, which I have never been able to really master in my real life, and that is, consider it joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds, for the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so Tim is going to try to learn how to find joy while he is suffering long through the travails of this life. But that's what God, not, I mean, he's, he's asking me, he, maybe you can say he's commanding me to do it. And, and he's saying, look, it's possible. I got this report back. These people are straight A's. They're working hard in faith. They are laboring in love, and they are hanging on in persecution with joy. we got to ask ourselves, am I working in faith? 
Am I laboring with the motivation of love? And am I persevering in a culture that hates Christianity with confidence and joy? What we say, how we act, and what we do is a testimony to a lost world of who we are. Many times, it's not a very good one. But God has given us the capacity to do all three of these things. Work in faith, labor in love, and be steadfast in hope. The world is looking. The world is trying to see what is this Christianity thing. Is it just bigoted hatred like we think? Because that's what we hear a lot of times. God hates this particular group because they're sinners. Or God hates this thing. They'll know your mind in that you love one another. We have a challenge to adopt this ministry model right here in verse 2. They've only been Christians for a couple months. Some of us have been Christians a long time, 50-some years. I don't know if I want anybody looking into my life that close to find out if I'm working in faith, laboring in love, and persevering in hope. But it's, it's possible. That's what God is calling us to. That's what he has for us as a group, as a body of people in Machias, to do those three things. And we will accomplish his will, and it will be amazing. And we can stand back in awe and see what God will do with his people. Let's pray. Father, this has been a challenge. It's been a challenge for me to understand uh, this, this, this example that you've given us of what I should be as an under-shepherd and what we should all be as the family of God. And I, I got to admit, Lord, I, I breezed through these Verses at the beginning thought there really wasn't much there, but there is. Oh, Father, help us. Help us to be the Thessalonians. Help us to have somebody that, that comes and visits our church and goes back and tells their family, this is what these people are doing. And it's a, it's a testimony to the power of God to take a bunch of broken, selfish individuals and make a family out of them and do something that can change the world. To you be all the glory and all the praise. Thank you for what you're going to do both in us and through us. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.